All right. I think this thing is on. And we are launching season nine of Mentioned and Dispatches, which just means, holy crap, we've been doing this for a long time. Mike, we as we are recording this, the Dragoons have now turned four years old as of today. So I guess we're firmly in our toddler phase, which gives us the right to throw whatever tantrums we want, right? Is that how this works? Yeah, I saw that in the forums. So four years, is this our? Is this the cardboard anniversary or? I, yeah. the aluminum foil anniversary so everyone can can stow your gifts don't worry about it just uh make a donation to a friendly neighborhood grog and go teach somebody a new game that's that's what we ask of on our birthday here so so mike is joining us howdy mike hello hello glad 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 you're back uh joining us tonight also our buddy rocky is here how we doing rocky hey hello hello everyone and happy birthday birthday yeah yeah okay (laughs) you know i i don't know that you ever intended to go by the nickname rocky full time it's just sort of what's happened based on your screen name on twitter but here you are it it works for me it works for me (laughs) yeah yeah you you're henceforth known as rocky because it's just easier and People know who we're referring to and lots of folks like yelling at you online and Rocky's a good name to yell at. So that, that works out. Yeah. It makes me sound vicious. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So uh, as usual for many of our podcasts, particularly when it's just Dragoons on here, there's not a a real firm agenda tonight other than let's get season nine rolling. But that said, it's been a couple of minutes since we've convened for a podcast. The last one was, was back at the end of the, or the, beginning of the summer, the end of the spring, as we were ramping up for summer convention season. Uh, we had Gary here. We did a bit of an origins preview looking forward to the convention there. And and Mike, you were able to join us for origins this year. And uh, knowing we were coming out of the pandemic, we still had some some restrictions on, you know, who was able to attend based on, you know, back status and masks and all that stuff. And whether you agree with it or not, those are the rules Origins put in place. That's what we abided by. What'd you think being able to be back at Origins? I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. I, there weren't, you know, as many people as in the past, but that was okay. I think we were like little over half capacity this time, maybe a little bit more. Uh, it was actually kind of nice because you weren't, you know, there weren't giant long. But like I said, I think I said this in one of the other earlier podcasts or maybe on the forums, but it, going through registration was a breeze this time. There was just nobody in line. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I I breezed right through registration. Um, I they they wanted to see the Vax card at that station first. Got my wristband. Flew right through the registration, and uh, and then I was off dragging our big you know command post box down to to our area, and then trying to sort out the tables because they never give us the right tables. I <laughs> it it does not matter what kind of request we submit or how early, we will always have the wrong tables and have to fix it after the fact. I'm just I'm convinced that's. That's what's going to happen. But yeah, I, I I flew through there and and was in there pretty quick, uh, just waiting for the rest of y'all to show up because because I needed to get there early to make sure we had the right space. Um, so uh, overall, look, Origins was back to its original schedule. We started on Wednesday afternoon, ran through Sunday, and and we had a pretty full crew. Uh, yeah, I, I think we had a pretty hopping space for what it was, and and we kept it. We could have done a little better in spreading out some of the events for better utilization of the tables. That's on me as the guy that deals with, you know, primarily deals with the schedule. But overall, I think we kept it pretty full, pretty busy, pretty engaged. We had we had a lot of stuff for people to play with on tables. I think we had some positive feedback too, right? From the uh, survey you sent out. 
Yeah, so the the <laughs> origins changed to tabletop.events for their registration this year. Anybody who's been to one of our ACDCs knows that system because that's what we use for all of our digital conventions. And one of the cool things with tabletop.events is that folks that are pre-registered for the event so not folks that just walk up and say, hey, I got an extra ticket I'd like to play. But folks that are pre-registered and guaranteed a seat at the table, through tabletop.events, you have the ability to email the participants. So we were able to email just the people who were registered for our events and ask them for feedback just on our, our area. So we created a small poll and asked for some of that feedback. We've got the AAR on our website. We'll link it to this episode so you guys will be able to check it out. And uh, and, and folks did have some nice things to say, so that was kind of cool. I think, honestly, everybody was just happy to be able to be back at Oregon. So, so that was, that was nice. At, at some point, we're going to have to lean on Rocky to actually come out there and join us at Origins, bring the kids along, um, come, come play games. The, the sunny garden spot of America of Columbus, Ohio. And, and and get Rocky to burn some summer vacation hours to come out there and join us one year. So. I, I hope soon. I hope. I've always wanted to go. I did conventions a long time ago. It hasn't, haven't done enough recently. So it'd be nice. Um <clears throat> You know, I got kids in college now, so maybe I do have some freedom. Um, then again, maybe I'm paying college bills and I don't have freedom. So we'll see. So bring the kids and, and we'll find a way to put them to work. They get to go hit all the other non-groggy stuff that you would rather be playing. And uh, and we'll keep them occupied all weekend long also. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> we want to see the results of that survey first. So, okay. <laughs> this this has become a, a running mission on the part of, of me and Mike and like one or two other guys from our origins crew it's to get everybody we possibly can to come to origins at least once just so we can meet everybody face to face and and come hang out with us there so Mike, after Origins, I know, you know we we played a bunch of stuff there. I, you were doing Bayonets and Tomahawks and Assault Red Horizon, right? Those were the two that you had? Yep, those are the two that I ran. The uh, Bayonets and Tomahawks was an actual event, and then Assault was just there to kind of show off as, as we could, as we had free space, yeah. like you alluded to. Yeah, and it, I mean, I know you got it set up at least twice. I think you got multiple turns in at least one time, because we were shooting some video of it. Yeah, yeah, we had a few good sessions there. I think it went over pretty well. It was a good showing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I was the GM on Brief Border Wars from uh, uh, from Compass Games, from Brian Train and Compass Games. And then I backfilled uh, a missing GM on Shores of Tripoli just because we uh, – we, we lost a GM in the middle there to a family emergency. And then I had my usual team coin with uh, Distant Plane. So that was that was always entertaining. And then we also had the Command Post folks. We had Song for War take up an entire table for a while. What was cool is we got a monster game back out on the table. We had we had second front from Europa set up. It took up an 8 by 8 table. And, and I think one of the, or I guess it was a 6 by 8 table. I think one of the best things about it is it was a 6 by 8 table that was completely stuffed with a monster war game and that was only half of second front being set up we just set up france we didn't even set up italy so i i think that was pretty awesome and it really was awesome i hope that becomes a regular event actually because I, I mean and people that were that were walking by that were much younger than the average uh armchair dragoon <laughs> they, yeah. they were interested they were showing interest in on what was on the table so that yeah was it, it, it totally stopped traffic Folks stopped and were like, what the hell is that? And and several of them were interested enough to come back and play. Oh, yeah. I think the plan is to, at, at this point going forward, we're, we're wanting to set aside one table in our area for a monster game that goes up and stays up all weekend. It's played in a rolling scenario, so we're not going to reset after each session. We're just going to play a bunch of four-hour sessions, and each one's going to pick up where the previous one left off. And uh, 
and just let it go. And and we've got a couple of GMs that are pretty enthusiastic about wanting to do stuff like that because for them it's a chance to to actually get a monster game out and play it for a while. Um, so so I think we're going to be able to to commit to doing that. It may not always be a Europa game. Um, there may be times we get a Goss game out there or or some massive Civil War game or something. Uh, but but the plan is to have at least one of our tables as a monster war game table every year going forward as as long as we've got the GMs for it and. Uh, and it should be kind of fun. Uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah! Rocky, we're talking a bunch about origin stuff here, but I know you were getting a bunch of gaming in over the summer because you've posted about it some on your blog. What were some of the gaming highlights that you had over the summer this year? Uh, for us, uh, for the summer this year was uh, a little bit almost bittersweet because, like I said, my boys head off to college, so there was uh, maybe not enough gaming uh, on the family side to uh, to make up for it. But, uh, you know, I got some new games in. Um, I got a, a couple of uh, Ben Madison, um, Don't Tread on Me, and uh, The Yay! Mission. Which is, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, those are good solitaire games. Maybe I'm trying to work my way ahead because I'm losing a lot of my gaming uh, yeah. gaming partners here because they're going off doing things. But uh, it was uh, it was still a good summer. I mean, there was there was a lot of uh, it was a good time. Not necessarily just to just games to the table, but picked up a whole bunch of books. Um, the used bookstore was doing rather well. Um, books that will go with games, games that'll go with books. Um, digging down and doing uh, looks at like the you know even just looking at the Battle of Midway yet again. I mean, you know how it is. Midway is the most over overplayed uh, naval war game out there, or the subject of a naval war game. But there's still a lot more to be said and and, and studied and learned about that. So um, it's those. It was that sort of summer. It, it was also a good family summer. I mean, as much as I'm a war gamer, um, we actually got some good, you know, other games on the table. I mean, Reality Shift uh, from uh, Academy Games uh, was was is a lot of fun. Um, the uh, even the, the the little Star Wars love letter, the Jabba's Palace, totally silly little game, but I mean, it, it's it's a great little filler to hit. I lost my copy because my boy took it to college with him, so <laughs> I guess it works, and and it's there that sort of summer. All right, so Mike, coming out of Origins, I, obviously you took a bunch of toys home with you from Origins. I know because I brought you a couple of them. <laughs> but uh, talk to us some about your loot from the convention. How much were you able to dig into any of it? Have you started playing with any of it? Did you did you mess with it? Ah, uh, loot from Origins. Let's me think about this. I definitely that's where I've discovered that um, Kaiser Krieg was out, a Ben Madison game. Yep, uh, I, ha I have dug into that one. I did a an unboxing and I did like a partial playthrough, kind of a playthrough. Um, that one so that went pretty good uh what else did i get i got uh a couple of i think it's the historical game company i got a couple yep. of their games and i've got uh the grass crown i've been meaning to get that for a while so i picked that up while i was out there that's the thing about origins you know blue panther was there which was very dangerous for me because <laughs> very good stock and you know you don't pay the shipping charges right so yeah <laughs> so it was it was I, I think i came back with probably four or five uh, Blue Panther printed games, which was good. Yeah, it's nice having Steve there. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be at Future Origins. I'm just not sure. He's he's making the money that he needs to make to sustain what Gamma wants them to pay to be in there. So it is it is unfortunate that we may lose Steve going forward. But yeah. um, but you're right. Having him there is, is dangerous because 
he prints for a lot of folks that do really good stuff like Amabel, like the guys at white dog who carry all the Ben Madison stuff. Um, you know, Rocky was mentioning some Ben Madison games early. This is, this is a meeting of the Ben Madison fan club right here. This is, I think we're, we're all going to say positive things about his stuff. And, uh, and I actually left origins with a Ben Madison design. I've got Margaret Thatcher's war here. So yeah. Uh, I, haven't, nice I, I haven't, haven't played that one yet. Um, I got a couple of Ben games I have yet to play, but that's that's going to change here pretty soon, I hope. Yeah. Well, I did the big playthrough of the White Tribe, you know, a year and a half ago or so for the website where I, I went through and sort of narrated it turn by turn as I was going through. The uh, I, I want to get Margaret Thatcher's War onto the table. Sadly, the table right now is a bit of a dumping ground of other stuff. Um, you guys can kind of see on the, uh, on the screen here how much crap I've got piled up on the table, but I have no room to put a game out there and if i'm gonna do it i gotta do it soon because once thanksgiving hits my game table becomes the christmas wrapping table out here in the office because <laughs> we can keep the presents away from the kids out here so that is so, not that far away oh my gosh now once we hit american ramadan man between between thanksgiving and christmas i uh i i lose my game table to to wrapping paper so i gotta get it cleared off here soon so i can get margaret thatcher's war uh up on the table and run through so so if i'm not that's yeah, where I'm you not- store your new games that's where you store your new games so that she wraps them up for you so then they're your christmas presents so that you have to play them come next year yeah yeah, sure. The uh, not all the wrapping is being done for people in this house, but it is the rely the one large, reliably flat, reasonably clear area in the house where we can consistently wrap stuff. So, so yeah, my office becomes becomes wrapping paper central. Well, you know, I, I think Rocky and I told you, Brant, you don't have to wrap our present this year. I, I will keep <laughs> that in mind. I will not wrap stuff up for you. I promise. So the other thing I left Origins with was a giant box of games that I am never gonna play. I'm just not and and mike was there and and i I think you saw the handful of games i ended up with so one of our partners at origins is enterprise games enterprise games are the official gmt rep to origins and don it it, it, it's it's wonderful folks fantastic family love working with those guys um you will never hear a crossword about enterprise games coming from any of the dreams they they are just fabulous people and uh and and so you know we help Don and Lynn load in and set up and help them haul stuff out when we need to, and and constantly point people in their direction to go buy stuff. Don had his handful of passes that he got for the booth itself, but Don is also a member of Gamma's retail division, and as such is entitled to a pair of passes to Origins just for being a retail member. Whether he's there as an exhibitor or not, he gets two passes to Origins to go walk around and do stuff. And and there are a bunch of retailers that take advantage of that because they want to walk around talk to publishers and see what's coming up. And and get a sense of some of the games and learn some things they can take back to their stores to show off. One of the things they do on Tuesday and Wednesday before Origins really gets going is they have uh, a retailer track where a lot of the publishers will do presentations to the retailers. And hey, here's what's coming up. Here's our production schedule and our release schedule for the next year. Here's some of the promotional things that we can do to help help support your store, ways in which we can help with organized play, with tournaments, with prize support, with all kinds of different stuff. And and it's a really cool thing that they've set up. I mean, a bunch of the publishers are all going to be there together. This is a chance for them to, to talk directly to the retailers and, and sort of show off a little, toot their own horn. And at the end of it all, what you end up with is they've got these retailer appreciation boxes where there's a giant stack of games in there that they give to all the registered Gamma Retail Division members. Because I'm there on Don's Gamma Retail Division badge, I swung by and picked up the box of games. Not a war game in there. <laughs> and... 
which is what you'd expect. Uh, a couple of things from rather dashing games, a couple of other smaller ones. There is a copy of code names in there, hanging on to code names. There were a couple of pretty cool packs of dice from Foam Brain Games. There was a copy of the fifth edition anime source book. So if you want to use the new fifth edition D&D to play anime inspired adventures, uh, that book was in there. I gave that to uh, Captain Darwin's older daughter because she's a big anime fan. So I'd give her some role playing material to work with. There were some really cool posters in there from rather dashing games that I'm gonna get framed to hang up out here in the in the game room. Uh, but there's a whole lot of stuff I'm just not gonna play. I'm just not. So I'm I'm gonna figure out some good way to donate these to appropriate people and uh, and and find a find a good home for them. So that's uh, Mike. I think you saw that box of games because you were looking at it going, what the hell is this? Like where did this come from? Because <laughs> it's something that was completely out of place for for a war game booth. Um, but that that's what it was. That's where it came from. That's how I ended up with it. Um, Big thanks to Don and Lynn for letting me use their retail division badge so that we could free up some GM badges and get more of our crew in the door for free. Uh, it just so happened I ended up with a whole lot of extra stuff. Rocky, you mentioned doing a bunch of gaming with the family this summer that was not necessarily war game stuff, not necessarily overly groggy. Right. Uh, reality shift you mentioned coming from Academy Games. What were some of the things that you were able to, to get the family to play with before they all took off for uh, the land of higher learning? Uh, we got uh, reality shift landed. Um, we got some, uh, well, let's see, uh, war chest. War okay. chest was a, was a good hit. We uh, did get Plains Indian Wars. Since we're big Birth of America, uh, 1775, uh, those those series of games, uh, Plains Indian Wars, actually sort of in that same. It is in the same genre, just a just the next generation or a different generation. Got that in there. Um, gosh, we we played a whole series of King Domino Origins, which I thought that you know King Domino was. We, we thought we had that one down pat because you know you build your <laughs> five by five. I mean, I, I think I I wrote about it that it's been years since I never completed a, a puzzle a five by five um but we, we we actually read the rules this time and they're like oh well, a two-player game you always do the seven by seven and we did that and it was like I, I don't know i just i just couldn't do it for once but it was fun <laughs> it was fun and there's there's actually three games in one in there it's it's uh you know three different game modes the discovery mode which is very much like regular king domino except instead of crowns you have volcanoes you can throw a fire so at least you sort of control where your your fires go to get extra the extra points the second mode adds resources so then there's a, there's a resource game in there. And the third one adds, adds uh, tribesmen, tribes, the tribes, people. Okay. And uh, so you, now you got like a sort of a, almost like a, I don't know, it's not worker placement, but it's, it's another mechanism layered in there. And it, it does it so nicely and so easily. Um, each game, it really doesn't matter, you know, 20, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and it just really hits the sweet spot and moves well. I mean, that one's really nice. Yeah. My son and I got a demo of King Domino a couple of years ago, so pre-COVID when he was there with me. We uh, we were wandering around and we did, we hit the, the exhibit hall and we did as many demos as we could with just the two of us. So we did Red Dragon Inn, which I've played before, but he'd never played. Red Dragon Inn, King Domino, Skull Tales, bunch of different stuff. And he really liked King Domino. And and we were going to get that, except my daughter ended up spending the money on King of Tokyo instead. <laughs> and, well, that's not a bad substitute. No, my my daughter ended up playing in the giant King uh, King of Tokyo game that they uh, they set up over in the game hall. And Mike's seen this one before. They've got these giant cutouts. My daughter was probably like nine at the time, and some of the monster cutouts were taller than her. So she's like hugging these things to move them around the, the board. Um, the dice are like eight inch square foam dice that they they throw around for the game. It, it 
it's a great way to engage the kids because you've got these kid life-size monsters that they get to to move around with uh, on that map. And and it's funny because there's always some parents that are a little new to the gaming world. They're like, well, where can I buy this? And they're talking, they send them over to the booth and then they always come back and go, well, that was just the box game. I wanted to buy this thing, right? I wanted to buy the big, tall, yeah. four-foot stand-up cardboard monsters. Where do I get those? And I'm like, oh yeah, we made these custom for the convention. So it was- uh, What did it happen to sell to you for a lot of money? Yes. <laughs> you can you can print your own and then mount them on your own moving boxes and uh, you have fun with that. Uh, but yeah, we, we ended up with King of Tokyo instead of King Domino, uh, which was fine. We had a good time with King of Tokyo. It, it was it was still enjoyable. So the Rocky, you mentioned some of the Ben Madison games. Uh, we'll, we'll take a left turn into Ben Madison land. What are some of the ones you've played already versus the new ones you just had come in? Well, I had Margaret Thatcher as well. So I, I think that was my other um, Ben Madison game going into this. Uh, so I've, I've played that one. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. And then it was the... Uh, don't tread on me in the uh, in um, the mission. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, the mission is. Uh, I, I wrote about that one too. It's like I, I'm reluctant to call a game about religion a war game. Yeah. Um, but I see where he's coming from with that, and I thought it was very well done. Um, and it's uh, it's amazing how much history he can pack into those games. Yeah. Um, with a lot of the event cards and uh, a lot of the uh, just a lot of the little background and, and little pieces that fit into uh, somewhere on the rules or somewhere on the board, um, somewhere on a card or something like that. I mean, it, it's a uh, it's really nice. I, I, Ben's a. I like I like his games. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I like his games because it takes a little bit of a, a different viewpoint. I mean, don't tread on me. You know, his, he makes the point that George Washington was inept. Um, <laughs> was it Sam Adams was a was a spin doctor? Uh, Thomas Jefferson's a coward. I think is what he said. You know, it's like okay, Ben, I, I hear you. Yeah, let's play this game and we'll see. Um, but, so and that's fun. That's fun. Always nice to 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 look at somebody's viewpoint and see how they put it in the game. And if you can come out saying, hey, you know, that was still a good game, then that's a, that's a good design. Yeah, there there's a case to be made that Washington was less competent than he could have been. But ultimately, he accomplished what he needed to do, which was keeping the, keep the army in the field, right? He had, he had to keep a credible force in theater, and, uh, and he was able to do that, at least. You, you mentioned the mission being hesitant to call it a war game. It's a conflict simulation, Rocky, come on. Oh, no, 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 we're not going there. We are no, not we're not. We're going to save that, that for a later podcast. Simulation in games. <laughs> exactly. That's where you got to get Harold on as a uh, guest star. Uh, so. We'll see. We'll see. There's, there's about a half a dozen people we could get on for that conversation. Um, that might finally oh, yeah. be the leverage we need to get Volko to show up for a podcast with us. So we'll we'll see. Um, throw out the gauntlet. Okay. <laughs> Mike, you you didn't just play Don't Tread on Me. You like recorded it for posterity and shared it with the world. Yeah, that was the first game that I did on the channel and it ended up going, I don't remember now. Oh my God, it's probably it probably went on for four or five months, I think. And <laughs> just it did take it was, a uh, it was fun though. It did take a while. And and looking back at those videos now, I, I it's I, I've come a long way since then, I hope. <laughs> so uh, but no, it was fun. And actually, I was lucky in that uh, both Ben and Wes actually uh, followed along and, and would make suggestions and, and call me out when I would make rules mistakes, which I'm good at doing. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a good time. Good stuff. That's cool when the uh, when the designer, you know, kind of interacts with it as you're as you're producing the content. That's that's kind of a neat, neat twist there. It is. And and the same thing is going on now with Assault Red Horizon. Wolfgang is, you know, he'll leave comments to uh, to point out where I've overlooked a rule or, you know, question something that I've done that maybe I shouldn't have done. So it's 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 great because if someone's trying to watch my playthroughs to learn a game, uh, they can see 
those comments and and learn even more, especially when it's the designer leaving the tips, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I know when I did my playthrough of the White Tribe, uh, Ben made a comment afterwards. Oh wow, hey, this is really cool. I'm looking forward to reading through it. But he found out about it after it was done, so he never really weighed in as it was being played, um, which was fine because I'll be honest, I, I went back and looked through it some after the fact. And so it was really just sort of me taking my notes throughout the game as I was playing and and kind of narrating what happened during the turn, but also trying to do a little bit of analysis into this is why I'm making this decision. This is what I'm thinking about doing here. And, and in a couple of cases, I just openly admit, I'm just going to do this to see what happens. Going back and rereading it is like, man, I was long winded. I was way more long winded than I needed to be in a couple of places but okay fine that's just that's me and i know that's who i am at this point so i i don't blame ben for not necessarily making it all the way through all seven or eight parts of the the, the write-up that i did um I, I wouldn't blame him for quitting after two and going man this guy's taking forever to do stuff um, he's a busy guy well there's that too <laughs> there, there is that too um so mike you poked around with kaiser creek a little bit I did. I, I did a, uh, I played through just about, you know, there's some questions on Board Game Geek. People were asking, you know, how does this play? Or what's it like? And no one was really responding. So I decided just to throw it on the table and and without even really putting a lot of effort into reading the rule book first or anything, it's kind of unusual for me. But I just sat down and ran through, you know, I think three turns just to show people how it played. And just those three turns, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a really fun game. And I, I really want to do a complete playthrough of it at some point oh good we are looking forward to seeing that complete playthrough because no doubt you're going to film it and show it off oh yeah definitely have to do that and like i said i've got a i've got a stack of ben madison games that, that are, will eventually i'll do playthroughs on he's actually got a couple of uh we'll call them beefier games he's got uh definite trenches which just came out from compass yep. and the cool thing about and the other one is uh i think it's absolute victory also from compass and the cool thing about those games is World War One, World War Two. There, there's he includes random events in these games. So you know, you, you no two game is gonna two games are gonna play alike. You're gonna get totally different outcomes. And uh, so I'm hoping to get one of what maybe both of those to the table at some point. But those will probably equal or exceed the. Uh, the four to six months that don't tread on me took. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the challenges that we run into, you know, tying us back to, to sort of convention season a little bit, I, I think we're all fans of Ben Madison's designs. The problem is they're almost all solo games. It's tough to do at a convention. It's it's hard to show off a solo game at a convention and, and like, have people register for an event and get engaged in playing a solo game that's uh that's a little tougher to do we're, we're gonna have to figure out the way that we can we can hack together a multiplayer version of margaret thatcher's war or white tribe or the mission or something figure out some way we can do this some some team decision making against the ai or whatever we can come up with so i'll have to have to figure that one out but um say player solitaire yeah well that that's co-op right that's really what that is at that point that's cooperative play the, the group against the, the the ai right the air quotes around ai um i i will say playing playing the games there are sometimes where the solitaire game you just sort of feel like you're the dice chucker for the ai that, that there's not a lot of decision making for you to do i know that people have had that criticism of some of the gregory smith solo aircraft games um that, that they've just sort of felt like the dice chucker for the ai i i have not played any of them so i can't tell you that that that's how i would feel i didn't ever feel like that in in white tribe and mike i don't think you ever felt like that for don't tread on me um rocky i'm assuming you had plenty of decision space when you were playing don't tread on me um but, and mark thatcher's war exactly and that's actually what's really sort of the nice part about uh and designs is that it guides you through a process where you're making decisions mm -hmm. and you make those decisions 
you make the decisions and then you roll the dice to to sort of just get the you know result out of it and yes there's a procedure there but at the end of the day i really like those games because i really do feel that i have agency yep uh i'm sitting there yep. by myself i'm it's not i i know exactly what you're talking about with some of the uh you know the uh, gregory smith designs it's like I, I sit there and i go through a procedure and sometimes i'm not sure if i'm just a human manipulator of the of the pieces or am i really exercising a decision yeah sometimes you have a decision early on and then you just sort of run it on the rails for a while uh, but the, the the beautiful thing about um like a ben madison a lot of the games there, Thatcher's War, The Mission, uh, that sort of stuff, um, is that I, I actually felt like I'm, I'm playing a solo game, but I'm making a decision. And and, and the game's giving me feedback uh, on that decision and driving me to the next decision. Yep. And then I kept looking for, okay, where, you know, okay what's next? What's, in some ways, if you've ever played... Uh, um, I have a enemy coast ahead, the Doolittle uh, raid version, and and there is a lot of procedure and and steps in that as a, as a solo game and stuff. But what I really love about that is you really do make the decisions, and and there are a lot of decisions that you make sometimes early on in the game that have a big impact later later on down the road. Um, sometimes the game is is things you you try to influence, you know, some of the some of the like the decisions of the the leaders, how much support they're giving you uh, from the from the different services and such um that's another one where it, it sort of sneaks up on you is that yeah you're executing the procedures you're stepping through the rules but but really you start seeing it going like wow i mean that decision that i had to make really does make a difference um, yeah it's like well damn i really i really 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 should have tried harder to do that or hey you know what i i made that decision early on to strip the radios out and now I'm jammed up and yeah. it really just come back to haunt me. So, I mean, that, that's the sort of th stuff those, when the solo games are like that, that's makes them super enjoyable. And many times in, in, in Ben's games, that's what, that's what I find is that I get the decisions and I get the feedback and it just keeps building on itself and really feels like I'm, I'm making a difference. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, you know, games, that's what makes a great solo game. Uh, Wars of Marcus Aurelius is like that as well. Um, Cruel Necessities, when I played recently, that's like that. And, you know, not, not just that you're making decisions, but you play the game and you make those decisions. And the next game of, you know, don't tread on me that you play, you're making different decisions. And, but, you know, so you're not making the same decisions yes. over and over and just taking a different path. They're entirely different decisions. So that, yeah, that's, very important to a solitaire game, solitaire only game. Yeah, so the intent tonight wasn't necessarily to talk solitaire games, but since we've drifted off into this little cul-de-sac here, um, obviously, Mike, this is sort of your shtick, right? This is, this is kind of we your actually, area. You know, we've been threatening. We've never done it. That's been many years we've been threatening. We actually need to have a solitaire podcast to talk about solitaire games. And of course, uh, they probably, you probably need more than one podcast because once you start down that rabbit hole, there are so many directions you, that I can take solitaire gaming discussions. You know, it's... <laughs> well, so the, the smart ass in me says that you're going to do that podcast all by yourself. That said... Yeah, that is the, that'd be a solitaire podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
that said, I, I am curious. So, you know, Rocky brought up the point about, you know, as a player, you've got agency in a lot of those, those designs and that you, the decisions you make matter. Obviously you've done a bunch of solo games, purpose, purpose design solo games. You've also played with um, some two player games and just played them solo, whether using some sort of assistant with you or, uh, you know, some, some sort of programmatic AI kind of assistant, or you just playing both sides. And, uh, and just being a little schizophrenic there. As you as you look at some of those solo games, obviously they're not going to they're not intended to come out similar to the way a two-player game would. But some of them are going to give you a better feeling of sort of a, a, a thinking opponent, if you will, that, that there's more to react to than just sort of trying to optimize the puzzle. Uh, as, as you look at some of those, is there are, are there any games that stood out either as, as particularly challenging solo experiences or a two-player game that adapted very well to solo play that, that really forced you to think your way through it? That's a, that's a big question. Um... It's a big podcast. I mean, I still go back to uh, to Don't Tread on Me. It's still my personal favorite solitaire game as far as, you know, I feel like I'm actually playing against something. Not a person, but I'm playing against something. And most of the time, I don't win. I, I lose a lot. <laughs> and, you know, that's... I'm not saying I'm a great player, but I think that's uh, if you were to get one of these solitaire games and, and you figure out how to beat whatever programmed AI you're playing against, then what would be the point of playing it, right? But if yeah. it's a solitaire game that you want to keep going back to and playing again and again, that's that's a great design. It's a very good design. So, so you know, now that you mentioned it, there's the two other pieces. Well, it's another piece in the summer uh, for my gaming that, that solitaire came up. So I also picked up the uh, later expansion for Root that has a clockwork expansion, which is running uh, their version of like bots in the game, um, which brings up the whole idea of bots. To me, like a lot of your coin bots and such are great for learning, uh, helping teach you how maybe that faction works. You look through and, and you see how the, the, the bot tries to optimize their play. To me, I love playing solo with the bots because I actually try to lock, watch, not so much how I'm playing, but watch how they're playing. So I, I start learning, some, gaining some insight into their strategies. Um, but, you know, GMT's leaned into the whole solo play this year with their CDG, um, Card Driven Game Solo Module, uh, that's taking a lot of your uh, commands and colors, uh, some of the like paths to glory. And, you know, it has a simple CDG system that yes, it's solo play, but I really do appreciate and they make no bones. They don't hide it. This is not an AI opponent. This is trying to, you know, use the cards and create a situation where you're playing solo, but Hey, here's a couple of decisions, a, a simple decision tree you're making for your opponent uh, yeah. in, in the game. Hey, you know, you, you, know, you, you flip these cards and you're going to try to do the first one or the third one, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's not, I mean, it still puts together something of a coherent uh, opponent, but it, it actually just gives you, as a solo player, a way to think about your opponent and what they're doing and, and then try to help drive that. So um, again, it helps you see how the other side works, sort of, yeah. but it's a, it's a different solo. And I, I, I really do like it. I've enjoyed that. But I didn't think you could play Commands and Colors solo, really. But, you know, the system, it, it it's, a, it's a decent pickup game and it, yeah. and it works. It's it's nice. No, see, I've, I've played Command and Color solo before Stuka Joe's system and I enjoyed it. I, I, I In fact, I, I think I've said it before. I actually prefer games that are not strictly solitaire games because I like to play both sides. I like to 
to try different things with each side. Um, and so I, you know, I played Command and Colors without Stuka Joe's system and enjoyed it. But yeah, I have to agree that there's something about the Stuka Joe system that it changes up, you know, just playing, you know, best you can for each side. It, it, it introduces uncertainty again, right? We're going back to making decisions and, and now we're introducing a little bit of uncertainty, which when you don't play a solitaire only game and you're playing each side, it's kind of rare to get that, right? So um, yeah, because because you don't know what your opponent's trying to do, right? And so if you're playing something like Command and Colors, you're looking at I've got five cards in the uh, the American's hand, and then I've got five cards in the British hand, the British player's hand. I know what they are, and so I can kind of you know I've got to you, you try to either play around that or ignore it or or whatever. But with Stuka Joe's system, you don't know what exactly is in each hand. You know a few things, but not enough really. It could be something that could totally change the next turn based on what the system does. And the other brilliant thing I'll say about Stuka Joe's system is it is small and it does not get in the way of the rules of the game. Something like I've got you know, I like to play lock and low tactical and. I bought their solo bot and I was shocked when it came in a standard size game box and it is a monster. And I haven't tried playing it yet because I'm put off by the fact that there's just, there's so much in there that it's almost like an entirely separate game. I don't want to have to sit there and play the rules of lock and low tactical and then find a rule book for how to play a solo bot. <laughs> so I think that's another thing that Stuka Joe system does. And I, and I realized that lock and low tactile is trying to be what Rocky said. It's really trying to be an opponent as best it can. And, and something like Stuka Joe system is more of a, an aid for you, the solo player to kind of add some uncertainty to the game, but still, yeah, I just, I don't want, right. I, I don't want to spend all this time going through flow charts and taking time away from actually playing lock and low tactical to go through this bot routine. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are advantages to that. Like Rocky said, if I'm trying to learn the game, that might be a good way to learn it. And I think Brant, you had mentioned in the past that, uh, you'd played, I think it was Liberty or Death, where there's a kind of a bot in there that you let new players go through to figure out how to play the game. Yeah, I was going to say that pretty, pretty much for any of the coin games. That's actually a suggestion I got from, uh, from our buddy James Starrett, that for a new player that's just trying to, to figure out how all the systems interact, you you hand that new player the bot flowchart for any of the coin games for whatever faction they've got. And, and look, for the first three or four turns, just follow the flowchart here. And and the key thing is it's going to walk you through each of the steps in the turn for the decisions you need to make. And so it's it's the training wheels, right? It's, yeah. it's showing you how to get started. The key thing that, that James has pointed out is it is rare that the bot is going to make the best possible decision on the map, in large part because sometimes the best possible decision is the surprising one, and the bots are utterly predictable. And that's <laughs> and that's fine when you're just trying to learn the game. It's never going to, it, it is almost never going to make the best possible decision out there, but it's not going to make a dumb one. Um, and, and in some cases, it's going to tell you, you know, determine a random location for this, and there's a random location map in all of the coin game rule books that, that shows you how to roll the dice to get to that random location. When you get to those as you're using a new player, hey, let's learn how to do this. Don't don't randomly pick a location. Pick a location, make a decision. But but following the steps in the bot flowchart walks you through the rules as you're executing that, that turn. And so whether you're playing solo or playing with a group, um, I like giving folks those bot flowcharts for the first two, three turns just to understand how all the mechanisms interact as you go through the turn and, and make those decisions. Um, I, I think they work fairly well for that, even though that's not what they were designed for. Yeah. So it's, it's done well. Oh,
Mike, I'll tell you the the lock and load one. Um, I think don't quote me. I mean, you're quoting me. You're recording me. Um, I think that's somehow related to the um, Athena AI that, um, similarly to the Athena AI that Academy Games uses for Conflict of Heroes and other systems like their Agents of Mayhem and such, which is um, a series of cards and it's a um, you know some decision steps looking at the cards um when i first started looking at it it was like going like oh my gosh um how is this how am i ever going to use this? but once you once you step it through it and you understand how to read the cards it actually goes rather quickly and 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 amazingly makes the same thing it's not it's not making always making the best move but it makes a pretty darn good move and it's gonna you gotta if you're playing against the ai you gotta stay on your toes because it's gonna it's gonna if not, it's going to bite you, yeah. which is which is good too. It's an AI that I can. I don't want to say I respect it, but yeah, you respect it. You yeah, gotta respect it, or it else you're like, going to get. You know, it's going to outplay you. Sounds like they succeeded in what what you want to do with an AI. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I, I'm not familiar with that actually. I'd have to check that out and try it. And I think if you can take something and boil it down to maybe just having some cards to to pull and go through to speed it up, then that would be okay. Um, rather than sitting there trying to fight rule books and flow charts and things. Yeah, the, so, the there's similar underlying concepts to what Lock and Load used to to what Uva did with the uh, the Academy. I say Uva, I don't think he was the only guy involved in the design of those. His son was big into it, actually. Yeah, I, th I, think had, yeah I think he was the main driver on that. And, and if not, somebody at the Academy will correct us, and that's fine. Please do. Uh, we want to make sure the right people get the credit. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's basically a lot of the underlying concepts are the same. Um, it's just there's there are some cases where there's a little bit of wonkiness that you know units that are nowhere near the fight end up retreating anyway because the card says go here or move toward this location when that location is is a little nonsensical. Sometimes people get confused on the battlefield and go the wrong way. I, you know, I, I haven't seen it happen with real bullets, but I've seen it happen with laser tag a lot that, you know, folks got confused and started heading off in the wrong direction. And it wasn't, this wasn't an issue of, you know, dumb lieutenant reading the map upside down. This was just confusion on the battlefield and, hey, that looks like where we're supposed to be, so let's go that way. And it wasn't. Um, so, so there are times where something a little weird might show up when some of, with some of those card results and you can just chalk it up to battlefield chaos and keep on playing and, and call but it good. Let, let's, let, let's be totally honest though. If you're playing a multiplayer game in person with people, things can go wonky and go weird. You can have an opponent that will do something completely outside the realm of reality with their forces. As the Armchair Dragoons march into the ninth season of their podcast, Mentioned in Dispatches, we need to make time to thank our Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Patrick Garrity, Mike Quigley, Joseph Knoll, Hethwill Wargames, Robert, Kevin Bertram, Chet Bell, Treb Curry, Staggerwing, and Patrick Mullen for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and helping us to bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You, too, can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. 
One of Rocket's favorite topics, Battle of Midway, was our second World War at Sea game this summer at Origins, where we were doing the big double blind, two separate tables thing going on. And, and the problem with doing Midway 80 years after Midway actually happened is the Japanese know there's some American carriers out there and are trying to find them, which they never necessarily knew in the actual battle. They're just going to bomb Midway and try and take it over. They, they got no idea there's a bunch of Americans out there trying to, you know, send them to a watery grave conceptually i'm sure they thought oh there's some americans out there looking but not like imminent um and and so rick had to sort of play with the setup a little bit to induce a little more uncertainty and confusion one of the great things you do is just change the number of carriers on either side because the japanese are looking for four american carriers and they can only find three and oh my god where the hell is the fourth and they waste a lot of time trying to find a carrier that's not even in the game there's more than a few times this summer where something completely wackadoodle happened on the part of one of the players trying to work through some assumptions that rick had completely scrambled in the scenario setup specifically because he knew players were trying to use that that historical hindsight to gain an advantage in the game. Um, so we we saw that a couple of times. Yeah, we saw playing the metagame around recon behind your task force. It's like, what are you looking for? Like seagulls? Like what what the hell are you doing back there? So um, and if I recall correctly, one of those unnecessary recon flights looking in the wrong direction was actually spotted by the opponent, um, which didn't help. <laughs> so 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 these sorts of wackadoodle things do happen. So. See what you missed this summer, Rocky? If you'd been there, you could have done Midway double blind with a bunch of other folks. Well, yeah. The, what I did do this summer to bring it back to this summer was I did walk through the, uh, was it uh, red, was it dark blue, dark blue defection, defection the uh, solo uh, fan made module for uh, uh, Red Storm, okay. uh, GMT's air game. Yep. Uh, again, I mean, uh, it's like Stuka Joe sat out there and had that, that his, uh, his, uh, car-driven system that sat out there for the longest time and finally GMT picked it up. GMT needs to go talk to, uh, <laughs> you know, Dark Blue Defection and get that out there because, uh, I mean, that is, that's a brilliant way to learn to play the game solo and and still, I mean, it, it's a little campaign. It's a little, even like a little role-playing maybe thrown into it a little bit, but uh, but it's a, Nothing wrong with that. It was a wonderful way to get to step back through that system and, and, and learn it and play it yeah i think it isn't it isn't it gmt that actually has kind of spun off a little uh like a solo department where they're they're creating rules and looking at adding some solo rules to some of their games or am i just dreaming that i, I could have sworn one of the publishers had had done that it's entirely possible somebody did not, and gmt is large enough to actually support something like that but i couldn't tell you for certain i seem they... to think it was gmt and i, I think that i yeah, i'll look up and look i guess but I mean, there's only about four companies that are big enough to actually sustain an effort like that that would yeah so exactly and, and you know decision's not going to bother doing it so yeah yeah and, I, and i'm trying to think too if um rocky you mentioned plains indian war didn't that also ship with a a separate solitaire rule book it did yes I, I think i'm not sure if gmt has a dedicated division but i think they have sort of made the business decision um in a lot of the games flashpoint has a solo module um planes indian wars had a solo module i think they're making a conscious effort to to try to have a solo mode solo module solo rules uh in in their games because they they I mean, they recognize that that is a, it's a valid market. And maybe that was um, it. Maybe they just I mean, took a couple of guys and put them on the solo aspects of some of these games. 
Yeah, I mean, they may have a couple yeah, of guys. They have a couple. Of... I was just saying that GMT, as, as well or better than any other publisher out there, has a very robust development process for playtesting and, and polishing things to ensure that the game works the way the game is intended to work long before those things ever get in print. Uh, Red Dust Rebellion is a great example. I remember running across Red Dust Rebellion 2014, 2015. I'd have to go look, but we we did an interview with the designer back at, at our previous location six, seven years ago, eight years ago. I mean, it, it was at least four years ago because, you know, we've been at the Dragoons for four years. So it was it was a while ago. Red Dust Rebellion is just now hitting, you know, hitting the shores here that 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 folks are just now seeing printed copies. And and that thing's been in development that whole time. So it wouldn't surprise me that as a part of that attention to detail, if GMT didn't have a handful of developers, you know, these guys are all essentially freelance, right? It's not like GMT's got a got a cube farm upstairs at the warehouse that's just dudes sitting in there waiting for, for game design assignments. But I'm sure they've got a handful of dudes that that they've gone to and said okay here's the existing game how do we adapt this for solo play you know if the designer didn't already come with something in hand to do that it wouldn't surprise me in the least that gmt didn't you know flip open the rolodex and call up these five guys and say hey who wants to tackle a solo adaptation for planes indian wars or whatever now i will also say too that i have seen this and i really don't i really don't like this approach is you'll get a game that'll say oh yes it includes a solo component and you'll, you'll get the game and you'll open it up. And the solo component is maybe one or two scenarios that are solitaire only. And you know what? That's that's nice, but no, no, thank you. If I don't want to, I don't want to eat just a part, just the pepperoni off the pizza, right? I want to try the whole pie. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to have a couple of scenarios, but if I'm buying, you know, a, a strategic Civil War game, the American Civil War, I don't want to play just one solo engagement at Gettysburg. I want to play the entire Civil War high-level strategy game. So you it's kind of a, you want the whole game, right? And, and sometimes you'll get those games that say, oh yeah, this is solitaire, rules are included, and they're really not. Yeah. Ian, you were going to jump in there as I was talking about GMT's development stuff. Oh, I, I think uh, if, if anybody was doing something this summer, I think GMT has been making the decision to to go uh, more solitaire. I think they've, they've also... Um, I think they do have a couple of folks who's they got somebody who's very good at, at uh, coin bots. Um, they have some other folks that have looked at like the, the CDG system. Um, and it's not just stupid Joe. I mean, they got, they got people now who understand the, 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 you know, the intent and so, so the math behind it, so to speak. And, uh, and, and take that and apply it out to other games. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a good thing to see. Um, it, it is, I, but they got to do the right piece though. I, I, I keep coming back. I absolutely love Academy Games Athena AI. Um, it's 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 really nice, and it, it's it really is a good thinking. And it's just a set of cards. And okay, it's a little bit more than a set of cards. There's a couple of tables too. Um, but I mean, it really is actually almost as easy as just flipping a card and stepping through the card. Once you understand the symbology and the uh, the flow, of it, it, it yeah. works really well. That's yeah. the fun part. And what I like about the uh, Athena AI is uh, also it's it's not like oh you have to play an Athena AI scenario. You could pretty much pull it out anywhere and and, and go with it. Yeah, that's that's um, what you want. And, you know, they use the same thing in the uh, their Agents of Mayhem. Um, uh, 3D uh, combat game, skirmish game. You know that was the same same sort of approach, same same sort of AI piece. So I mean, it's uh, I think 
Uwe has even said that was it some video company, video game company, took basically Athena and, and has coded it up <laughs> and uses it there. I mean, yeah. so it's it's got some power behind it. Yeah, I, it it amazes me that more of that that there haven't been more digital adaptations of either the solo games or the solo equivalents of the games. You know, the bots in the coin system, as a for instance, given that the AI is programmed right in there. Um, you know, all, the the decision tree that needs to be written in the code for every solo Ben Madison game exists. It's in the rule book. Now, Ben may say, I don't want digital adaptations of my stuff. Like, I, I totally respect that. But the, the capability is there because the AI is built into what you're doing on the table, whether it's the deck of cards that you're playing against in a states of siege game, those old victory point states of siege games, uh, you know, Levy and Mass actually did get a digital adaptation. It's just recently been re-released as a tabletop game by Worthington, but there was a digital implementation of the old victory point version. Or something like Empires in America could very easily be adapted to a solo one. The the solo bot for Labyrinth War on Terror, there's a digital version of Labyrinth out now, but that could have been out 10 years ago based on the solo bot that came that, that you could do for Labyrinth. Any of those things should be able to, to be programmed for that. I don't want to say easy, but certainly easier than programming a real AI. I mean, look at the, the Panther Games down in Australia has been working on their AI, their, their AI for 25 years. So, you know, and, and that's a digital only one. You, you could make a pretty compelling board game on a tablet experience out of a lot of those games just by implementing the existing AI adaptations that they have. And, and <laughs> We have a good time. <laughs> the funny thing about that is you'll see they'll take a multiplayer board game and turn it into a, a digital game and make it solitaire only. And people they're like, wait a minute, this was a this was a multiplayer yeah. game. I want to play against somebody online. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a pretty good point. It's like, why don't you take the solitaire games and just put those online so you don't make those solitaire? Yeah. There was <laughs> yeah. Hex War did a couple of the solitaire decision folio games, like Congo Merc, they did a, a solitaire digital adaptation. The problem was the UI for Congo Merc, the digital one was just a train wreck. You you couldn't even figure out how to actually do the things you knew how to do in the tabletop game because the the ui was so impermeable the the commands and the menus and the options were just in dumb places um i know because i got them both and i've i've played the tabletop one and the digital one it was just impossible to figure out not the rules like i already understood the rules it, i just couldn't figure out like where the appropriate place was to click to make something happen that was frustrating so. it's like they took um hold the line and made it into a computer game but it's single player yeah. <laughs> you know it's not double player it's single player well, i think a lot of the guys that are playing on a computer it, tabletop simulator aside right i mean as as we are recording this cyrano's got a game of shaco 2 going on right now on tabletop simulator with five guys leaving that aside i think for a lot of folks the reason they're sitting down to play at a computer is because they don't have a, a live opponent and so they're just going to play with the computer because that's the opponent that's available right then and if they had a live opponent they wouldn't be using the computer they'd be sitting down across the table from them. maybe unless you're like me though and you'll, you'll play something like Sidmir civilization and you'll play four or five different civs at once and have them all fight each other that's because you're weird <laughs> <laughs>
I want to hang a left turn away from solitaire stuff here for a second. At one point, uh, probably two years ago now, uh, with the, the three of us on a podcast, we spent 90 minutes talking about dice. And so I'm curious, over this past summer, Mike, what are some of the dice that you've... I, I know you've got some, right? I know you accumulated some because you're like me. You're just a dice hoarder who can't help himself. And that's totally cool. Like, we we are a kindred bond that way. What what kind of dice did you get this summer? You, you know I did it at Origins because I went to Black Oak Workshop and bought some... How what were they? They were the uh, hyperspace dice uh, for traveler i guess um i know that i, I was wanting you to tell the audience i got something else there too and i can't remember what it was now i forgot and then I, there was um did you get one of the dice bags or did you get the advent calendar i, I got the advent calendar last year so i'm not going to do it this year that, i have to say that if you haven't done that you should try that that's really cool <laughs> that's a really yeah. neat thing to go through somebody had a dice sale recently and i ended up getting more dice i didn't need and as i was checking out you know they come oh well we would you be interested in buying one of these let me grab it here real quick i'm going to measure this was it the Kraken dice that are like golf ball sized? It's it's bigger than golf ball size. Oh it's wow! A six, it's, it's a D6. It's an Arctic something. It's two inches. That's the diameter. Of the uh, the face is two inches. And it's like you know, would you would you want one of these or try to get rid of them? They're only I don't know three four dollars. Of course, I don't need that. Yeah, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that. Um, and I can't remember what the other dice. It was just some really cool looking dice that were you know, oh this looks like this would be good in a mutant RPG theme game or i i'll never stop buying dice you know it's just uh, dude i i'm there with you i'm there with you and actually I, just i just remembered i also picked up um this is for role-playing games but it's the uh the hit dice for when you take a hit you roll up to see which body part got hit oh okay so the arm the arm will show up the left arm the right arm the torso the head so that was kind of interesting I, that's perfectly cool. Rocky, what kind of dice did you pick up this summer? Not counting the reality shift dice I, that are the game. I picked up, um, actually, part of my birthday present. My kid's uh, you know, wife got me a, a set of uh, like metallic dice. I had gold, silver, bronze, wow. and aluminum. A whole D6 sort of metals. You know, it's, 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 they're plastic. They're, you know, they look metals. Uh, but I also picked up, I, I forget who the, who the, who the uh, maker is, uh, silicon dice which i mean i i sat there and go ah, you know sometimes the wife doesn't you know like us rolling dice on the table and you know sometimes i don't want to use a a, a dice tray or stuff like that hey silicon dice and um they For roll your late night um, gaming boy <laughs> do, do they do they sound i mean I, I, okay I, i'm old school i like the sound of dice rolling on the table <laughs> this is not dice rolling on the table this is just rubber sort of like bouncing around it's it's like it really i mean you, you speak about people speak about being immersed in games and and you know getting into the moment and stuff and i, I like taking dice and you know you shake them in your hand, they rattle around a bit, you roll them out on the table, the bones are hitting and going and everything. And this is just like weird. It's just weird. <laughs> uh, just It just goes sort of, you know, that rubber thump, thump, thump down the table. And it's like, what is this? Okay, I yeah. rolled a six, but gosh, does this feel just strange? Weird. Yeah, I, I was just measuring. These. So in, in that retailer appreciation box, there were a couple of, of sleeves from Foam Brain Games. Foam Brain does... Uh, some random dice. They're up there almost in like in uh, baseball card package looking things that the uh, you'd get a random small set of dice plus like one special die something or other. And one of the sets I got is just a standard like seven dice um, RPG 
set that that was kind of a cool sky blue with some cloudy streaks in it but one of the sets that i got was a little bitty micro set and i just measured the d6 as we were sitting here it's an eight millimeter d6 like the whole set is scaled to that this this d20 is maybe one point I, it it's barely more than a centimeter i mean i can hold it up to the screen for you guys to see the audience obviously isn't going to see but then one it's of the a travel set was that same size set but they're metal they're solid metal we'll go for the sound effects here i mean they're they're fairly hefty and chunky and rocky where you're talking about you know wife doesn't want them rolled on the table don't roll these on the table these are going to make a dent in it one of the special dice in there was a 15 millimeter solid metal d6 i mean this thing is that's a weapon it's chunky <laughs> and it's sharp on the corners like you would really hurt somebody if you threw this at them and that little bitty you know, eight millimeter solid metal D4. Like if you had a bag full of those, ain't nobody following you down the hallway. This is worse than, you know, the clear plastic Lego. This will really ruin somebody's day. I, I would never have bought these of my own volition, but I'm kind of happy I got them in the random package they ended up in. They're kind of cool. I've got a D20 that I bought at Origins. It's it's about the size of a golf ball. It's metal, but I think it's it must be made of lead because it weighs a pound. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, where, where would I ever use that? <laughs> other than self-defense where would i ever yeah. use that yeah no kidding i i did get a handful of other dice from black oak because craig's a good dude and i always want to support him so i i didn't buy as many as i normally buy because i also got some dice bags from him this year um but i, but did, I did i did buy i can't remember what the other two dice are, but i remember yeah he you just reminded me and you probably did the same thing is when you bought those dice you got to pull a free um pack of dice right yep from the tomb of so, the, the, the tomb of horrors dude the tomb of horrors so you got even more dice from buying dice Ardwolf and i both picked up a couple of uh dice bags from black oak also and i i've gotten dice bags from craig over the years one of the first ones that i got years ago when stranger things first came out craig was selling dice bags with the stranger things typography on it that said random things and i I thought it was cool. And so I, I, I've got my random things bag here that is my my primary dice bag. Gary and I both picked up some of those. The other thing that he picked up, and, and I let him buy it to see what it would look like once he put it together. They, uh, one of the companies there was... They're primarily a minis company. They were like a British company here selling selling uh, plastic models for a lot of sci-fi stuff, sci-fi wargaming mostly, but but not just. Uh, one of the ones they had, they, they had a bunch of the laser cut wood, assemble them yourself kinds of things. They were selling dice towers that were these 17th century Venetian style dice towers. And the packaging looked really cool. And they were selling them for like eight bucks. And, and Gary's like, go ahead and buy one. I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna let you buy it and see what it looks like. <laughs> and, and it does. Uh, it, it, does look very cool. It, it is a great addition to a fantasy or renaissance or age of enlightenment era game to, to have this really cool ornate dice tower that you can work with. Um, I, I've got my one good dice tower that I've had for 15 years now that I got a Buckeye Game Fest long, long ago. That's like the only dice tower I use. It's it's a perfectly good one and I'm happy with it. Well, wait a minute. You, you have one dice tower that you use or that you one dice tower period that you own? I, I have one dice tower period. I have, that's the, that's the one that I take everywhere and use everywhere. I am not at a shortage of dice. We all know this. I do have a handful of Dragoons branded dice trays that I got from uh, from Blue Panther. And, and we had to punch them out and assemble them ourselves like you were helping me do it there at Origins. They're perfectly nice trays. I take them with me when I go to a war game day here locally at Gamers Armory. I, I take them with me and, and we use them there and, and it gives us a little Dragoons branding. They're not quite as convenient as a dice tower, but they're still a 
good way to corral dice on the table when you've got a lot of other stuff floating around on. So those work. Uh, but but no, I don't have any of the uh, the extra dice towers. Honestly, the the punch out and assemble them yourself trays versus towers from Blue Panther. Uh, we got trays because he ran out of towers. I honestly like the trays better. I, I I am glad that we were able to get a couple of trays from him. I wouldn't have chosen to do that beforehand. Because uh, again, I asked him for towers if we could get if we could get some. Um, he just ran out, and so he brought us some trays instead. And I'm I'm very happy with them. I really like the trays that I got from Blue Panther. Uh, and he he you know stuck some Dragoons logos in them for us. And that was really cool of him. Um, but but I definitely like those. They they are very good. They were nice, but I have to say I I just I like the sound that those dice make going down the tower. Sounds to me, Grant, that we do have another topic here, and that is gaming <laughs> accessories. So we've got now, you know, our season nine. Uh, I don't know what plans you had for the season, but I think we've got. We'll have to circle back and do solo again and accessories. I mean, and, and when I say accessories, I mean I, I was looking at. I was trying to figure out if I was going to support the new World of War um, yep. uh, Kickstarter, and and I'm sitting there looking at it, going like, you know, tower or uh, flight. Uh, the, the flight stands. Uh, stands. Yep. Yeah, the flight stands, flight stands, thank you. The flight stands, and I'm going like, do I really need flights? <laughs> well, you know what? That would be pretty darn, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I, Look, let's be honest. When we start talking about different game accessories and uh, and the ways in which, it, basically the entire inventory at litco.com, right? When you yeah, start exactly. talking game accessories, the word need is not relevant to the conversation at all. There is absolutely no part of that that you need. There is every bit of it that you want but there is no part of it that you need <laughs> there's another topic kickstarters and and how you end up with all these things you don't really need <laughs> yeah we were going to circle back around to crowdfunding at some point this season anyway so that was already going to happen so <laughs> let's let's get the notes written down here all right so we we've got solo stuff um we'll have to call our buddy wayne for that one because he's going to be mad at us if we don't call him that doesn't mean we're necessarily going to have we're going to at least offer it to him and, and see if we can get him on here we've got the accessories conversation that uh that rocky now wants to have which is honestly one of the of as accessories go one of the ones that i when i first heard it i thought it was the dumbest damn thing until i saw somebody actually use it i thought that's genius about six seven years ago one of the last times lock and load was at origins and mike you were there i'm, I'm sure you remember seeing it they had the laser pointers with the the broad extended line that you could use to check line of sight i have so two of those you could, you could drop that laser pointer from you know as an overhead view and you got a direct red laser line across the army the painter yes um <laughs> we, we army painters yes yeah yeah we, we all looked at that and thought you know when we first heard it we're like really the hell are you do with a laser pointer for line of sight and then we saw it and we're like oh my god that's genius yeah <laughs> so, so as accessories go yes that that is definitely something to include in the conversation um so we, we've got solo stuff we've got accessories we've got the kickstarters that we're going to have to get to at some point uh so so that will definitely happen at some point although it's kickstarters and crowdfunding overall because uh yeah. gamefound is starting to get more and more popular backer kit is actually getting ready to launch their own 
crowdfunding uh, platform now that because BackerKit was created to help people manage their Kickstarter campaigns, right? Once you got the list of all the people that backed your campaign, you had them all go register into BackerKit and you used that to track the rewards, the shipping, the charging for, for the shipping, the, the process that people were going through for, for fulfilling the rewards. And BackerKit's like, well, we're doing all this. We might as well do the crowdfunding too. And so they've got a new platform coming out soon. Um, well, so, so Rocky, you know, at some point we got to talk about games and Sims because we blew up Twitter with it over the last week and a half now. Well, not week and a half. We just published that article two days ago and it's what, what else we got in there? What else you guys want to cover this summer? <laughs> well, not this summer, this fall, this season. What else we got? I think we need to get some feedback from our, from our listeners, uh, both of them and, uh, see if they have anything <laughs> they would like us to cover. Yeah. All right. So listeners, if you've made it this far in this episode, um, and, and right about now, Fred's dog's probably ready to head home. And so so Fred's dog's probably tugging him back towards the door. So Fred, chime in. What what do you want us to cover? And and we'll see what we can get to. Uh, and it, somewhere along the way, because it's the fall, we know we're going to end up, the Compass Catalog's going to be out at some point. We know we're going to spend a whole episode talking about the Compass Catalog, because we do it every year. Um, somewhere in all of this, the Charlies will come out, and there will be a bunch of embarrassing uh results come out of the charlies that we'll make fun of for the better part of two hours we know that'll happen sometime this fall now, well maybe they've straightened up and everything's fine now we never know <laughs> might go take a look out your window let me know if there's any pigs circling with the bald eagles out there nothing like a little foreshadowing <laughs> yeah no kidding So a couple of other notes, just Dragoon Land notes overall. Uh, as folks are hearing this, we will have now published three of our submitted games for our friendly local war game store directory that we are in the process of building. We've had stuff published for uh, right here in my backyard in Cary, North Carolina. And it wasn't Gamers Armory. It was Hangar 18 Hobbies, who are a big minis uh, store. We covered future pastimes up in Sarnia, Ontario. We've taken, we've covered tabletop game and hobby out in Overland Park, Kansas, which is, it's Kansas City, right? That's, that's the suburbs of Kansas City. Uh, we've got some stores coming up in Pasadena in New York City. Uh, we do have the entry ready to go for Gamers Armory also here right in my backyard. That's that's the home store that I hang out at. So the, the friendly local war game store uh, spotlight is running every other Sunday. If we get enough submissions from you guys out there in listener land, we'd be able to run these once a week, but we've got to have the submissions from you guys. So hit the link that's, that's linked on this podcast episode so that we can get your store in the queue for uh, inclusion in this spotlight. We, we want to keep this running. And after stores appear in that spotlight, we're going to add them to our directory page. So those things will be sortable by locations. So that way, if you're going on vacation, you want to know what game stores are nearby, you'd be able to look them up. We definitely want to keep that going. We need your help to fill it in. So please, please get those sent in. Um, obviously, the podcast is coming back along with, you know, Saturday Night Fights is always there. Tuesday Newsday is always there. We are working to increase the number of interviews that we're trying to do. We're working on that. If there's a good war game day somewhere at your local game store that you would like to try and help get some Dragoon sponsorship, some some Dragoon's visibility, some, you know, uh, us helping promote that, let us know so so that we can share that and we can promote that out there. The other thing, um, Mike, I, I think we can probably go ahead and safely mention Mace slash Jeff Con, right? 
Is, is, is it safe to throw that one out there at this point? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So in November in Charlotte, what used to be Mace, uh, this is going to be the last year for that convention as it's currently constituted. This would have been the 26th or 27th Mace. Jeff Smith, who was the owner of Just Us Productions, the company that did Mace and, and several other smaller events on the Mace branding, uh, he passed away at the beginning of 2022 very unfortunate um and just late stage cancer went downhill very fast it, it sucks that we lost such a great gamer because he was a wonderful dude the folks that helped him run mace are getting together to run one last mace and all the proceeds are getting donated to a couple of charities that jeff used to help support and and so we as the dragoons are going to make an effort to be there and and to have a small war game program as a part of that and and show up and help support the the family and the program there so that's veterans day weekend or right around there and it will be in charlotte north carolina so um if you've got a chance to make it down there come join us um we're gonna have a couple of us there uh as a part of that so hope to see you there and then Buckeye Game Fest in the spring. Uh, we're definitely going to be there to help support Ardwolf and the War Game Room at Buckeye Game Fest. Yeah! Other than that, Mike, anything coming up this fall for you on the gaming front? What's what's in the immediate future? What's in the middle future for for where's my own worst enemy going? Or just Mike wanting to play some stuff and not have to shoot video? Well. <laughs> I should be finishing up Assault Red Horizon pretty soon, and I don't know, I did, uh, on my community tab on the channel, I put a poll up to ask viewers what, I'm going to say monster game, what longer game would they like to see me play through, and what this is, is a game that I will play through kind of uh, in parallel with my regular content. And so I've got things in the poll like uh, GMT's uh, U.S. Civil War, I've got um, Empire of the Sun, um, uh death in the trenches just just larger games and right now i think if i remember correctly the last time i looked i think u.s civil war was leading the poll and the other okay. i think the uh i think empire of the sun was tied with uh i can't remember the other one off, off the top of my head so um right now it's looking like it's going to be u.s civil war unless the poll has changed since i last looked at it so i'm gonna leave that up for probably another week or two and then whatever i get i will start a playthrough of that on and that will run however long that needs to run. Uh, as far as normal content goes, th there is a stack of shame that it's just who knows <laughs> what's going to hit the table after Assault Red Horizon does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Rocky, I, I get that you may be running out of opponents here with uh, with folks in college, but what's uh, what if any events or special things are coming up for you in the game front uh, in the near future that, that will end up taking you away from joining us on podcast this season? Well, uh, I'm hoping to uh, get back into some traveling. Uh, not traveler, I must love to play some traveler RPG, but uh, just uh, professionally, it looks like I have some travel coming up so i'm probably gonna be looking at smaller solo um like folio games i'm gonna you know have to dig down into my decision games folio catalog here and <laughs> see uh see what sort of um uh games i can take that will that it will that'll fit on a, a desk in a hotel um yep. just to just to help willow away the time but like, like i really expect to have anything of that you know you know it is with travel you've got you always get more things going on than you have time to do so uh if anything it's going to be that and we just as a family we are as as much as we're slimming down here i do have my one boy still is at home 
home. He works locally. We're trying to make a make a point to have uh, a Saturday night um, game, which is going to be different. It used to be two of my boys and me, so we were looking for three player games or you know some small team sort of stuff. Now it's it's the two of us, so it's going to be a little bit more war game and landing on the table. I mean, <laughs> we already were eyeballing. Um, at one point, we were playing the uh, hold the line. Um, American Civil War. I think we're about, you know, I think we're eight, eight through eight of the twelve scenarios, and I've yet to win one against him. Um, so he's like, "Okay, Dad, uh, we got to finish this out because I want the perfect, the perfect record." So, okay, he's gonna yeah, fate. Maybe we'll put that one off. We'll put that one off a little bit, but um, it's gonna be more of that sort of stuff uh, coming back, which is all gonna be enjoyable because we get some of those, you know, that that one on one across the table uh, back. Family gaming's fun, but sometimes you know, just sitting down the one on one and going at each other in a friendly sort of way as you pull out the knives. Yep, yep. So, uh, listeners, chime in. Let us know what you might want to hear uh, for the rest of the season. You know, what, what what conversations you might be interested in or if there are particular guests you want us to, to dig up and wrangle. Uh, you know, again, look, there's there's a handful of folks you know we're going to make appearances. You know we're going to be able to get Cyrano on here. You know Ardwolf's going to show up. There's there's a bunch of these folks that are going to be regulars uh, that, that are the normal Dragoons folks in rotation or Dragoons adjacent folks. But we're, we're going to see who else we can drag up and, and have come join us to to talk about some of these topics where they are relevant for them to to pitch in and, and have a chat uh in the meantime there's plenty to look forward to mention and dispatches is back we'll be here for anywhere from 10 to 14 ish weeks we'll probably get you through up to right around thanksgiving and then we'll we'll unplug for the holidays and come back after the new year uh once we get past the acdc We'll, we'll kick in with season 10. But you've got us basically for college football season. We are here to help be a distraction for you so you can listen to us on Friday nights instead of whatever mediocre game they're throwing at you on ESPN. Uh, in the meantime, Rocky, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you being here. And uh, Hey, Mike, alibi time. Uh-oh, alibi, alibi time. time. Do I understand, Brent, is there some sort of connections that you have? So we're still trying to lock down some of the, the, the definitive parts of this. Um, we, we've talked about it in Tuesday Newsday, though, so the date is kind of there. 19 October, we are angling for a one-day showcase event for connected under the connections online branding that essentially what we're looking at is a bunch of two hour presentations with some Q and a on professional games that people have done that, that we want to really get into the nuts and bolts of the game. Don't give us a bunch of broad generalities of, well, Hey, we designed this thing for this CG who thought it was kind of cool and insisted his people play it. I, I don't care. Like I, you haven't told me if we're doing squad tactics or if we're doing air and missile defense. Let's let's get into the nuts and bolts. Show us the game. Show us the map. Show us the pieces. Show us as much as you can of the game engine. Explain how it works, but also explain why you built it the way you did for the the usage that you built it because the professional stuff is always built for particular uses. How was it integrated into the training program or the analytical program you did this for? And and give the audience a chance to sort of ask some questions about it. So this is a chance for folks to show off what they've worked on and and really let the audience under the hood to see how it worked and how it was integrated and how, how it was deployed so that people can get a sense of what else is going on out there in the professional game world. It's going to be a one-day thing. We're going to run it all day. But there's only ever going to be one thing going on at a time. Um, so we'll start at like 8 in the morning. We'll wrap up 8 to 10 at night. One of the folks, we're, we're hoping to have Brian trained there. So if we've got him, it's going to have to run later into the night because he's out on the West Coast. we got to wait for him to get home from work. So 
we uh we'll, we'll see how that goes we're just now actually ramping up not ramping up we're just now locking down who some of those participants will be so as we're recording this i can't confirm any of them yet but i hope that by the time this goes live we will have three or four of the six of these seven of these that we're trying to do uh confirm so and and we'll get the word out for folks to register through our site to be able to be a part of this um again broadcast them on youtube uh you got to be registered to watch and and interact in the chat there um uh, but that's that's what we're angling for so so you, you jumped the gun on us there a little bit rocky we were waiting to, to actually lock folks down to announce it but that's fine save the date 19th of october it's a wednesday uh that's because for the professionals this is a work event for them uh but you'll have a chance if you don't register live to watch the stuff on the recording you know a week or two later so that's that's what we're shooting for all right mike what do you want to ask about the drag this out an extra 15 minutes i think i'm just i am happy that we have reached a new season of mentioned in dispatches i can't believe september is already here looking forward to the fall and and looking forward to another good uh some more good episodes. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to some good episodes. I'm hoping that there are more of those than bad episodes. Um, we'll, we'll see what we end up with. That, that should be easy to do. Well, it's still <laughs> me doing them, so we'll see. <laughs> Audience, appreciate you guys being here. You hit the site, jump in the forums, let us know what you want to hear. Leave comments on the bottom of this page. That's fine. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, come check out our Patreon if you want to be a supporter and hear your name on the list of folks that are helping keep us on the air. Uh, we'd love to have you join us as, as a Patreon supporter and, and keep an eye out for some of the cool things the Dragoons are doing. And, uh, and, and we'll look for you next time here on Mentioned in Dispatches.